0: Recently, I was asked to write something about how to practice. It is quite an interesting undertaking to have to put down on paper, or in this case, to put down in bits and bytes, words that are meant to convey to the reader, in a few paragraphs, how to practice. How can we answer that question, how to practice, without going a little bit into what is it that practice is? What is it that the human condition is? And how does practice relate to that, what we call the human condition? I also felt that it is very important to mention in that little text that I put together that one of the very distinctive properties of Zen practice and of Zen is that it is not based upon a need for a belief in anything. What we do in Zazen is very, very basic. These are very basic activities of our life while we are in the state of being awake, sitting and breathing. Neither sitting nor breathing require us to think about it in a discursive way. We can breathe without any thoughts. We can sit and keep our spine erect without having to think discursively. So we use these two gates to enter the practice of Zen. In the beginning, we are instructed to follow our breath with counting. That specific technique is called susokan. The way I learned it from my teacher was that on the exhalation, we begin with the count of one. Then we inhale again, very naturally. On the next exhalation, we continue our count with the number two. And so it goes on until we reach the number 10 on our exhalation. We inhale again and begin with one. That seems to be so simple. And even though some kind of thinking or some kind of awareness, some kind of tracking and attention is necessary. It is not yet discursive thinking. It is not judgment. It is not the thinking that requires an identity of a thinker. When we exhale and we follow the exhalation with that number one until it ends, there is no judgment going on. Oh, this is a bad one this is a good one. No, it is just being engaged in the activity of both engaging our body with the breath and our mind fully beyond discrimination. And to do that, it is not necessary to bring any very deep understanding of the principles and doctrines of classical Buddhism or of any other tradition. All we need is that very body, that very being awake, and that very mind that has the ability to be present, that has the ability to follow the breath, and that has the ability to function without the need for identification. All of this sounds really, really psychological, if you think about it in the discursive way. But if you do it, and not just read about it, if you truly give yourself... With your full presence in your body and your full presence in your mind to that activity of sitting and of breathing, then you get to the point to know that this has nothing to do with psychology. Zazen. Seated meditation is a gate into the world that eventually gives up even on that counting. And the counting is replaced by presence. The mind does not go away, but there's even no need to keep track. The world that exists before words the world that has always been the fundamental experience upon which everything else builds up becomes our home. Instead of looking at things, we start to see, which is a very different way of perception. Looking at always has some kind of intent. There needs to be a looker. There needs to be something to be looked at, an object. By doing zazen and by tasting that experience of presence, we can learn to dissolve the separation between subject and object. Instead of looking at a beautiful flower, the act of seeing and becoming the flower before any judgment, before any labeling as flower or as beautiful happens, is the ability to see things as they are. of course there are teachings and there is buddhist doctrine is a strong word but there are buddhist texts that give specific terms for what i just described seeing things as they are is described as becoming aware of tatata suchness Sometimes also called dharmata, shinyo in Japanese. So that was the first thing I started to write about. And of course, I had to include a couple of pointers to how to sit and how important it is to have the various ways of practice that we encounter. One of them is what we do here. As a group, we sit together in a community. And although we are sitting together, there is some individual kind of practice going on at the same time. The most important point of sitting in a community is to surrender that personal practice to the harmony and the functioning of the community. Bringing individuals together to be able to let go of that individuality that sometimes severely restricts ourselves from being truly natural and authentic. We all get up when the clappers sound. We all begin zazen when the three bells are struck. We all allow to surrender our I am self to the formal practice. There are different traditions, and the school in which I was educated and trained extends that communal practice Also, to the kinin. So, in other traditions, in other forms of Zen, kinin can be an individual practice where you take your meditation, like from the sitting into the walking, from that approach that you're continuing the practice that you are doing. This is not a judgment by no means. This is just another way of doing it. Here in this tradition, in the Rinzai tradition, the communal practice continues in the walking meditation. The leader, the timekeeper, the Jigijitsu, walks at the top of the line like the head of the snake or of the caterpillar. And like one being, The entire group follows along. So we walk in step. We just manifest that oneness as a group. Coming to a place like this, from having been in other places, there will always be something that is different. And if there is one thing that Zen practice wants to teach us, is to be able to fluidly, effortlessly move from one activity to another one without being attached. The clapper after the sit calls us to immediately and without holding on to the sitting that we might really cherish, it calls us to let that go and to move on to the next activity. And of course, in a microcosmic way, that is teaching us what often is one of the biggest difficulties in our lives, moving from one way of being, from one set of circumstance into a new set of circumstance. And here's the funny thing about it. We do it all the time. In the morning, we wake up. And with very little effort, instantly, we turn from a sleeper into somebody who is awake. We walk without much difficulty. And so a lot of that shape-shifting, of that moving from one activity to another activity, happens so naturally that we don't even think about it or that we don't notice it, that we are not aware of it. That is true natural manifestation. Only when it comes to the point that we are attached to something, to an identity, to an idea, to a liking or a dislike of a specific set of conditions, and we cannot move on, then we call it a difficult transition. Zen practice shows us that as I said, in a microcosmic way, moving from one formal element to the next, surrendering to the circumstances. These are lessons that we have to take out into our daily lives and practice them there. Not only practice them there, but actualize them there and integrate them with a very important place that our intellect and our thinking has. There is a need for judgment. There is a need for judicious action. When something that is not right is happening, we have to take action based upon that judgment. However, when it comes to places in our lives where there is no need for that judgment, and where the judgment and the thinking and the discriminating mind and the discursive inner monologue gets in the way. There we can come closer to that authentic living of who we truly are and of the seeing, experiencing of things as they are, without our adding or subtracting of our likes, dislikes, thoughts, Every sit is a new beginning. Every breath is a new beginning. Only our human mind puts labels on them. And we have to take the labels for what they are. Still, even a label has its place, especially when it connects us to what underlies it. Like a new beginning, Tonight is the first night of the Jewish New Year. A new beginning. A wonderful expression of the human spirit of always moving on, of always moving forward, which, in fact, is our very deep thirst to overcome all of that that burdens us, that holds us down all the attachments. So it is a new year, even though we might not be Jewish. I do wish you and everybody tonight a happy new year, a happy new beginning. Lushana Tova.